uh, we are finishing up our series, I Love My Church. Today, this is it. And um, how many of you guys are, I hope you guys are loving our church. And here's the deal. I know that sounds like, man, you're telling us to love my church. You know what? Whatever church you're in, if it's a good Bible-believing, Spirit-filled church that's preaching Jesus, you should love that church. You should love that church because why? Jesus loves his church. Jesus loves his bride. And so we are called, just for that fact alone, we're called to love our church. But today, we're talking about a real core value of why you should love this church. Hope Chapel Kanae Bay. This is a core value. You know what a core value is? It's, there's values that we have. Like we love rock and roll worship because we love rocking it out here at Hope Chapel, right? That's just a, that, that's a value. I don't think that's a core value. We can have soft worship and still worship God. Amen? Okay, cool. But there's a core value. This is the stuff that's really important that, you know what? This church cannot live without this value. And we're going to talk about that value today. And how many of you guys have ever heard the term in our church? Because we coined the term, actually not we, but Pastor Ralph did. Uh, everyone plays. How many of you guys have heard that, that term before? Preached it. Everyone plays. We have a class called Everyone Plays. And what that class is, is, is about telling you what your spiritual gifts are, where you fit in the body of Christ. It's talking about, and basically Pastor Ralph kind of uh, coined this term. And it's just a value that he wants to have prevalent in our church. And he's, he's had this value since he started this church because I know, I've known of this value. And the value is, is that it's not about one person doing all the work. Amen. It's not about one pastor doing all the work. I'll do, I'll do the worship, I'll lead this, and I'll do everything, and I'll, 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 I'll greet you at the door. No, it's, a, it's about a team. It's about the body of Christ. Amen. And in sports, like I'm going to be talking about soccer. Whether you, whether you like it or not, I'm going to talk about soccer. And soccer is limited to 22 people on the field because of the boundaries. Let me tell you about God's playing field. It's limitless, which means everyone can play. There is no bench. Or there is a bench, but you make the bench. Everyone, God wants you to play. He wants you to get, and, and the thing is, like I just said, right? You can sit on the bench. You can choose not to grasp the plan that God has for you. You can choose not to grasp that because here's a stated fact. Here's a fact. I know from the promise of God in the Bible, God has a plan for you. And whether that's new news to you or you're just preaching to the choir, that's a good, that's a good word to know. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plan says the Lord. I know the plans I have for you. There are plans for good, not for disaster. There are for a future and a hope. That's a promise for every single one of us. And the thing is, why, we, why am I talking about it in everyone plays? Well, I believe when you get into the body of Christ, when you figure out what your gift and your talent and whatever God has given you to do in, in, for, in, for the glory of the Lord, I, th I believe in that moment you're activating God's plan for your life. You're not just helping out and going, okay, I got to help the church because they need help. I believe even the littlest thing of passing out something at the door. How, how many greeters? Come on, let's have the greeters. Woo, yeah, he's like, Yee! even that alone, I really believe you're act, you know, even how small that is, you're activating the plan that God has for your life. I really, really absolutely believe that. And we're going to be talking about that, this, this whole concept of everyone plays. But I kind of tweak the title a little, little bit. I kind of tweak the term is because a lot of times, we're scared. We don't know where to start. We don't know if we have gifts from the Lord. We're kind of insecure. We feel unworthy. We can't do it. So, how many guys need someone to encourage you a little bit? Kind of push you a little bit? Kind of kick you out of the nest? How many guys are Adam Sandler fans? Okay, a handful. If you know any Adam Sandler movie, what does that one guy pop up? You can do it! 
that one guy, Rob Schneider, right? He just pops up. He's like, and a lot of us need someone, right? We're just, oh man, I'm not sure what I want to do. We need someone to go, you can do it. And just pop up in my own life. The reason why I believe I'm where I'm at today as far as ministry. And you know, I'm a pastor. Whoa, awesome. Yeah, cool. But the reason why I'm here is because I've had people in my life that said, Tom, you can do it. You can do it. I believe God has given you some gifts. You can do it. I mean, Sumo Sato, the person who, my youth leader, who taught me how to play guitar. I went to miniature church one day, had no clue that he was planning for me to lead worship that day. He didn't tell me. I sat down in mini church. Yeah, what's up, guys? He handed me a guitar and says, in 10 minutes, you're leading worship. You can do it. No, I can't. Then he said, you're going to do it. Okay. I played the fast songs too slow. I played the slow songs too fast. I didn't know all the words. It was horrible. But guess what? I did it. When me and uh, Carl started our main church, it was our youth pastor that said, I'm leaving next week. You're in charge of the mini church. You can do it. Someone told me, you know what? You should go on a mission trip. You should go to Japan. You can do it. My Kai, right when I graduated, I finally graduated from college. Praise the Lord. My Kai came up to me. You want to be the junior high pastor? I'm like, oh, I don't know. You can do it. I believe in you. My whole life, I had people. I know this whole concept I've ever in plays, but sometimes I just need someone to tell me I can do it. And I want to tell you right now, God has gifts for you. God has a plan for you, and you can do it. I want, to, I want to tell you that today. You can do it. I'm not talking to the crowd. I'm talking to every single individual here. Because without exception, God has a plan for you. Without exception. God has a plan. And whether you want to grasp it or not is up to you. I want to tell you, God's plan is awesome. God's plan is incredible. Why would you want to even skip on that? But I want to read this, the core verse where this core value came from. So I want you guys to turn to Ephesians 4. Turn to Ephesians 4, verse 7. I'm going to read from the message version. It's a little different from the NLT, but I like the the way it states it here. Ephesians 4, verse 7 says, Out of the generosity of Christ, each of us is given his own gift. The text for this is, He climbed the high mountain. This is Jesus. He captured the enemy and seized the booty. Let's stop there. That is in the Bible. The booty is treasure, loot, Let's just just get past that. He handled it all. uh, He handled it all out in gifts to the people. Handed it. Sorry, it all out in gifts to the people. Is it not true that the one who climbed up also climbed down, down to the valley of earth, and the one who climbed down is the one who climbed back up, up to highest heaven? He handed out gifts above and below, filled heaven with the gifts, filled earth with his gifts. That's a good verse. That's an incredible verse because how many, I mean, come on. Do you appreciate what Jesus Christ did on the cross by dying for us, forgiving us sins, giving us freedom? We sang that song where the spirit of the Lord is freedom. Well, guess who bought that freedom for us? Jesus Christ. But here's the thing I really believe about the, act, the, the, the thing he did on the cross. Even though we feel salvation, we feel forgiven, we feel the grace of God, I believe he's done way more than we could ever imagine. We don't understand the ramifications, the, 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 um, the, the, whatever, the action that he started after he died on the cross for us. I mean, it's huge. And here's one of the things that happened. 
he allowed himself to give gifts. He allowed himself to fill heaven with gifts and he allowed himself to fill the earth with gifts. I want to go back to the first scripture and what does it say? Out of the generosity of Christ, each of us is given his own gift. I just want to state a fact. You have a gift from Jesus Christ. Is that worth celebrating? Yes. I want you to believe that because some of us were born with gifts, I believe from God, because we are his masterpiece. We were wonderfully made. And so I have an inclination to pick up an instrument and play it for some reason. You give me a tuba, I can figure that thing out. Right? I can play guitar, drums. I mean, I don't know why. I'm musically inclined. I really believe that is a God-given gift. So we are born with gifts that Jesus has given us. But also when we come to him and we're filled with the Holy Spirit, guess what? He wants to give us even more gifts. Jesus is a giver. It's Christmas with Jesus. He wants to give us these incredible gifts, and he will. And I just want to make, without exception, here in this room, everyone has a gift. Ah. A gift from Jesus Christ. Thank you. I had to finish that sentence. I got filled with gullas. Okay. Let's move on. Ephesians 4, continuing in, in, this, in this verse, in this scripture. He handed out gifts of apostle, prophet, evangelist, and pastor teacher to train Christ's followers in skilled servant work, working within Christ's body of the church until we're all moving rhythmically and easily with each other, efficiently and graceful in response to God's Son, fully mature adults, fully developed within and without, fully alive like Christ. Another good verse. Now here is where Pastor Ralph, our founding pastor, coined the term everyone plays. And you're probably going, eh, I don't see it. I don't get it. Well, I hope you get this because this is a very important verse. It might not seem real like, woo, that's an awesome verse. But it, there's a core value you have to get. And here's the core value. Jesus is saying he handed out gifts. And what did he hand out? Apostle, prophet, evangelist, and pastor and teacher. <coughs> and what are these things? Well, an apostle is someone who is sent. That's what apostle means. And what are they being sent for? to send the message, the message of Jesus Christ. That's an apostle. A prophet is someone who gets a direct word from God and gives it out to whoever. And it's uh, either a, a word of encouragement, a word of warning. It could be a word of correction. That's what prophecy is. An evangelist is someone who has a heart for the lost. And then he goes out and he tells people about Jesus because he wants to tell people who do not know Jesus or don't understand Jesus, he wants them to understand Jesus. A pastor is someone who shepherds the flock, whether by teaching or whatever, training. He shepherds and protects the, sh the, the flock. A teacher is someone who teaches. You guys are smart. <laughs> a, teach, a teacher is someone who teaches the Word of God. Now, in all these aspects, what is it? It's someone who either is, is delivering the gospel or protecting the flock or shepherding the flock. Now, I want you to get this. Paul, who wrote this, is not saying Jesus gave the gift of teaching to someone. He's not saying I gave the gift of prophecy to another person. He's actually saying here is the gift that I gave you is the prophet himself, the person. For example, if the guy was named George, George the prophet, 
George the prophet is my gift to you. Matilda the evangelist is my gift to you. Bob the teacher is my gift to you. And so here's what I'm getting at. I'm a, I'm a pastor. I'm on this list. I'm a pastor. You're looking at a gift. Check this out. Uh-huh. And I know that's funny, and I please don't, you know, don't be like, hello, gift of the Lord. <laughs> I, don't go there. <laughs> but what I'm really saying, because we got to get the scripture really, really tight. This is really, really means. If I'm supposed to be a gift and a blessing to you, what Jesus intended for me to do, then I'm supposed to do a specific thing. And what, what is that thing, do you think? Is it for me to make you laugh when you come on Sunday mornings? Is it for me to inspire you when you come and go, oh, I feel pretty good? Which is, that's part of it. But if we go back to the word and what it says here, get this. He handed out gifts of apostle, prophet, evangelist, and pastor teacher for this. This is so important. To train Christ's followers in skilled servant work. My job, my intention is actually to train you. Yeah, I'll make you laugh while I'm doing it. Yeah, I'll inspire you. But actually, and another word for train is equip. You know what equip is? If I were a carpenter, whatever it is, I would hand out tools to you. Like, here, have a hammer. Have some staples. I don't know what carpenters have. A leveler. I don't know. I don't know what they use. Yeah. And then I would teach you how to use it. Let me put it this way. Jesus, as me as a gift, am I, if I'm supposed to, and it's a heavy responsibility, if I'm actually supposed to be a blessing to you, then I am actually not supposed to do the ministry. That might sound weird because, well, we call you minister. If I look at this verse, I am not supposed to do the ministry. My job is to train you to do the ministry. Amen. You get the difference? That's a huge difference. Because there's people out there like, oh, I'm a pastor. I'm going to do everything. I'm going to teach, lead worship. I'm going to greet you at the door. I'm going to do sound as well. I'm going to do everything. But you know what? I'll be going against God's word. Because my job is actually to teach you and train you and equip you for you to do the ministry. Let me put it this way. I'm going to, about, I'm going to talk about soccer right now. Come on. If you weren't here three weeks ago, I told you about my favorite English Premier League soccer team, Tottenham Hotspur. Any fans out there? Silence as usual. Okay. And so I'm a big Tottenham Hotspur fan. That's an English Premier League team that I absolutely love. And um, actually, I wanted to show you a clip of my team. NBC made a commercial of my team, Tottenham Hotspur. And so I want to show you this. This is actually my English soccer team having to deal with an, English, uh, an American football coach. Check it out. My name is Ted Lasso. I'm new head coach for Tottenham Spurs. Has there been a learning curve? I would say a little bit. Starting to understand why these scores are so low. Look how tiny these goals are. He knocked at that ball with his head. Is that legal? Hey, that's wow, three points. No points. What are these trust exercises? There you go, tackle. That's not a tackle. Just sliding around. Soccer tackle, sir. Hey, all right there, Gary. That's how you tackle. But, but I'm learning. Premier League is on NBC and the NBC Sports Network, August 17th. All right. I do have an agenda here. I want everyone to be converted to watching the English Premier League. Come on. Super fun. But that's seriously the American mentality. Like, what's foot, football in England? What? 
You know, they don't understand, but if you're looking for spiritual value in that commercial, I am sorry, there was none. I just wanted to show it. But my point is this. Last year, my team did pretty good. They got fifth in the English Premier League. And for one reason, they had this incredible player called Gareth Bale. His name was Gareth Bale. And actually, that was the guy that was doing this. That's Gareth Bale. Literally one of the best players in the world. Um, he scored 30% of Tottenham's goals. And most of those goals were game-winning goals, which means like there was a, there was a couple games where they're tied or the, the score was scoreless and they're like, oh no. And they're like, give it to Bale. Bale will bail us out. And they would just pass it to him and he would just do something like boop and it would go in the goal. And we'd win the game every single time. And if Bale got injured, in my mind I'm going, we're going to lose. And you know what happened? We did lose. Because Bale was the man. He was our player. He was our star player. I mean, they would just pass it to him. And, and so we were touted as, and this is rightfully so, we were touted as a one-man team. Last year, we were a one-man team. And so when the, the season ended, this is what happened. He was so good, he was voted the best player of the year in the league, and he got all these awards and whatever. And so all these clubs wanted to buy Gareth Bale from my team. And I was like, no way, Jose. You ain't taking Gareth Bale, our star player, no way. Well, they were throwing money at him. And um, how many guys know Real Madrid? Anybody a Real Madrid fan? Biggest club in the world. Okay, all right, cool, we got one hand, okay. They offered to buy Gareth Bale Get this, for 100 million euros. I, saw, I, I think I did the math wrong. So that's about $120 million. So I did the math wrong last time. I said 80. It's actually more. It's 120 million US dollars that they offered this guy. If someone gave you $120 million, you would say, yes, please. <laughs> and so guess what? Gareth Bale left. He left. He left my team. He's not on my team. Ah. Good riddance. So here's what my team did, Tottenham. They were really smart. They knew they were, they were gonna get a lot of money for Gareth Bale. You know what they did? They didn't buy one player to replace Bale. They bought seven players. They bought seven players. And so I was like, well, okay, that's cool. Well, I don't know, Gareth Bale's gone, so we're probably gonna really do bad. And so the season starts, and I'm watching my team, and I watch soccer, I, I study soccer. And I'm looking at my team, I'm looking at Tottenham, I'm going, we're pretty good. They were passing faster. They were like getting more shots. I mean, they looked really effective. They're like, they're running around teams. They could, no one could get the ball and they're taking the ball back and whatever it is. And, and we're kind of maybe six games in and Tottenham has had the most shots on goal and they've had the top five uh, passing percentage in the league. I know this is a lot of statistics. I have a point to follow. <laughs> but the point is they're working as a team. And I, I, I'm gonna go on the record to say this. They're a better team without Bale. They are. You know why? Because they're not a one-man team anymore. They're working as a team. And here's my point. The church, this church, should never be a one-man team. Should never be a one-man team. Can I go on the record in saying that? Should never. Actually, we have a staff of about 20 people. Some of them are pastors. Some of them are administrative. This, this church should never be a 20-man team. If we have 3,000 3, people in our congregation, you know what kind of team we should be? A 3,000-man team. Shouldn't we? Because of the body of Christ moving together and doing stuff. It's an amazing thing. There was one um, quote that someone wrote about the Spurs. And he said this. Let me find it here. I just want to say it right. 
He said, Spurs have sold Elvis and they signed the Beatles. I love that because I'm a Beatles fan, by the way. I love that quote. Why? Because they sold their star player, but they got more than, they got seven back. And the whole idea is, I'm looking at our church. I don't want one star player doing everything. What I see in this crowd, I see a bunch of Ringos, a bunch of Pauls, Georges, and Johns. And whether you're doing it now or I see potential in you and that you can do something for the body of Christ. And, the, and when that happens, when I do my job as a gift from the Lord, when I do my job, which is to train and equip you to do the ministry, when I'm doing that right and the body of Christ is, is, is working incredibly together, this is what happens in verse 12. I want to read this again. Working within Christ's body, the church, until we're all moving rhythmically and easily with each other, efficient and graceful in response to God's Son. Does that sound like a good church to you? Amen. It does to me. That sounds like a great church rather than one guy doing everything, that we're moving rhythmically and gracefully and efficiently. I play the drums. I love playing the drums. And the other tricky thing about playing the drums is you got to use all your limbs. And you can't use your limbs at the same time because the tendency is to do that. Because, you know, one hand you got to do this, one hand you got to do this, then you got to get your foot, and then you got to do this with your other foot. And if you do it at the same time, that's a horrible beat. I'm, I'm just going to tell you, you are not a drummer. It's like, you have to learn how to syncopate and do different things. But when you finally do it and you do it in rhythm and you're doing it efficiently and gracefully, guess what? You get a wonderful beat. You get a wonderful music. And that's the way the church should be. That's what it says in scripture. I mean, take this service, for example. You know what? Seriously, we had great worship. Awesome. Trevor, thank you, band, right? Yep, give him a hand. Hopefully, you're getting pretty good teaching. But you know what? It's more than just the worship and the teaching. You know what, what it takes to put the service together? We have the prayer team. We have the parking team. We have the greeting team. We have the sound team. We have the children's church that are taking care of your kids. And what's happening is this. We got the prayer team. They're doing this. Right? And then you got the parking team. And then you got the worship team doing this, whatever they're doing, okay? I want to be the kick drum because I love the kick drum. And there's the me doing this. And then we're just going, boom, boom, boom. So sorry, I don't. And let me tell you, we work really, really hard because maybe you, you're not volunteering out of the service, but I'm hoping, this is our prayer, that today you heard a good beat. Today you heard a good rhythm because of the fact that the whole church is doing this. Let me put it this, this way too. I mean, if you think broader than, our, uh, think about our church as the body of Christ, you know what we're doing? We've got a hundred mini churches in the community throughout the week, a hundred plus mini churches. People getting together, getting prayer. Mini church shepherds, leaders. We're sending a team to Africa today. Tonight, they're, they're going tonight. We're sending teams to Japan next month. Oh, this week, sorry. Oh, sorry, calm down. Show a little grace here. No. They're going next week, awesome. We have missionaries in the house, right here. Right? We're, we, got, um, we got a thousand Filipino kids that are being blessed by our church because they're sponsored by people in our church. A thousand, a thousand of them. 
And when you are in the body of Christ and when you find your niche, you get to take credit for that. Because, because when you're in the body of Christ, guess what happens? Your reach gets longer. Your voice gets louder. Your influence gets greater and more effective. You know why? Because you're doing this. You know what I'm doing today? I held a hundred mini churches. You know what, you know what else I'm doing today? I've saved a thousand Filipino children. You know what else I'm doing today? I'm flying to Africa. You get what I'm saying? Because you can take credit for that. Even though you're not doing any of those things, we as a body are doing those things, aren't we? Isn't that amazing? And then the wonderful rhythm that we create when we affect the world, when we get a part of the body of Christ. I think that's pretty cool. But here's the thing. Do you really want to grasp, grasp the opportunity that God has for you to be a part of this team, to make it not a one-man team, not a 20-man team, not even a 3,000-man team? I'm hoping at least it would be a 3,010 team by next week that would be increasing every single time and that we could see more people coming into his thing. And so here's the thing. Are you going to take that opportunity? I mean, think about a dream that you have. I mean, for every, every person here, just think of, if I could do anything right now, a dream, what would it be? Like, I would take a trip to Europe. For me, I would love to go to New Zealand again and see the penguins. I would love to do that. I would love to go to Bali and go on a surf trip. What's your dream right now? But here's the thing. What, if someone gave you the opportunity to have that happen, like I'm gonna give you here the plane tickets, here's all the money, you know what, here's all the food and lodging, here's everything that you need to make your dream come true, what would be your immediate reaction? Thank you. Thank you, <laughs> thank you. Yes, please. I am sorry, but it won't be, let me think about it. But here's the thing. You have dreams, but so does God. And he has a dream for you. He said it in his promise. What is the promise? I know the plans I have for you. He has a dream for you. Are you going to take that opportunity? The, uh, I had an opportunity the other day, which is pretty awesome. Pastor Carl called me up. Tom, you have to get your butt down the call mall right now. What's so urgent? What's going on? I'm at home. I'm watching the kids. I got baby duty right now. No, you got to go. And what happened was Pastor Carl went to go see a movie. He's walking past his surf shop. He saw these boards. You know what the boards were? Just lines of boards, like six or seven of them. They were Al Merricks. You know what Al Merricks are? Al Merricks are the Rolls Royce of surfboards. Kelly Slater, the 11-time champion, rides an Al Merrick. He rides, the best surfers in the world ride Al Merricks. These are the, they go, to, they, they go 600, 700 bucks each, easily, minimum. These boards were slightly used and they were selling for $200. So Carl, he's like, oh, Elmer, so oh my God, I can't believe it. Here's the opportunity, right? He walks up, he's like, ah, they're too small for me. They're not my size. I'm calling Tom right now. <laughs> I know the perfect person that can ride these boards. He, he uh, texted me the picture, and they're exactly the dimensions that I ride. I, I got the phone, I got the text, I'm like, baby dropped <laughs> safely. Grace, you're on baby duty. I'm out of here. I literally bolted out the door, got the ATM, got $200. I went to um, call them all, drove all the way from Kailua, and I got myself an Al Merrick board. 
Because you know why? That was an opportunity I could not pass up. I want to tell you one thing. God has a dream for you. And the thing about God's dream and the opportunities that he presents in front of you, it's not like you have to wait for one day to, for someone to call you at Kahalamal going, dude, opportunities, knocking at the door. Perfect conditions. This is it. I really believe after years of following the Lord, God's plan is so evident that he makes opportunities for you everywhere. But the problem is we don't see it. And sometimes we have an expectation of what that opportunity looks like. And God's all, no, it doesn't look like that. It looks like this. And all I'm asking you is to take it no matter what it looks like. Um, I want to show you an example in Acts verse 6. Turn to Acts 6. Here's a prime example. This is, this is when the church started multiplying, growing, getting exciting because of the fact that Peter preached this sermon and 3,000 people got saved and the church is just, people are getting saved every single day. And in Acts 6, 6, it says this, verse 1. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So the 12 called a meeting of all the believers. They said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And so, brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and are full of the spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Right here, they, they have the core value. It's not a one-man team. The body of Christ is way bigger than just us, this us 12. Way bigger than that. Let's get more people involved. So they did. Verse 5, everyone liked this idea. And they chose the following. Stephan, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenaeus, and Nicholas of Antioch, an earlier convert to the Jewish faith. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. Now here's the cool thing. I don't know what happened to all seven of them, seven of them but I know what happened to two of them. Recorded history, we have two of these guys that became heroes of the faith became absolute heroes of the faith. There's two. The first two of them was the first one was Stephen. And the other one was Philip. How many of you guys ever heard of these guys? Stephen and Philip. Well, Stephen, he was a man full of the Holy Spirit and things were happening. And uh, he became the first Christian killed for his faith. He was the first martyr. That's the term for someone who's killed for his faith. And I know this ain't the best advertisement for volunteering for, at the church. They say, God's plan for life. You're going to get killed. But what happened was, such a huge thing. He's a hero to me. Because why? He was the first one. He had the privilege of being the first one. And what, what, what happened was, he preached the word of God, and they didn't agree with him, so they killed him for it. And the most amazing thing was, well, the bad thing was, persecution started that day. Christians were getting killed all over the place. And you, saw, you know what happened? Christians were running for their lives. They're running to other countries. And you know what they did? While running for their lives in fear, they told people about Jesus. And people were getting saved and healed. And miracles were happening. So what's, what Stephen actually did was spark a revolution. If you really think about it, he did. He sparked people going into the earth. And we, as Christians today, feel the ramifications of what Stephen did that day of giving his life. We are, in effect living what he started as one man who got killed for his faith. And I, I thought about this way too. Like, you know, uh, the Apostle Paul was there. 
before he was a Christian, his name was Saul. He actually witnessed the killing of Stephen. And I'm wondering, I'm not sure how true this is, but I'm wondering of all the times that he was flogged and whipped and ridiculed and beaten up, that he said, I'm doing this for Jesus Christ, of course. But I'm wondering, in the back of his mind, he remembered when Stephen preached the word and he got killed. And then he prayed to God, and, the, and, the, and this is what it says, the, the heavens opened up, and, and Stephen looked up, and then he died. I wonder if that was an inspiration for Paul to do the stuff that he did, and, keep, and he kept on going, kept writing these letters and going, the church, the Jesus Christ, is worth dying for, is worth giving my life for. I wonder if Stephen sparked that. The other guy, Philip, why is he a hero? Why is he famous? Well, if you read a couple more chapters down, he was the one running for his life because his, one of his friends died. The guy he ministered was passing out food with got killed. So he's running for his life. And you know what he did? You know Jesus? <laughs> you want to know Jesus? And along the way, he was doing all these miracles. Just read it. It's awesome. The one story was, I love this story. He's, he actually witnessed to this Ethiopian, got him saved, baptized him. And you know what happened when he baptized him? He put him on the water. I'll baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And when he came up, it says God snatched him away and put him somewhere else. Star Trek style. Come on. <laughs> Literally transported him. Imagine, imagine what the Ethiopian thought. Oh, man, thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you so much. What the? Okay. Just gone. Here. And you know where Stephen and Philip started? Passing out food. Food service. The most unglorious thing, like here's your food, here's your food, here's your food. God bless you. The reason why I'm saying that to you guys is that's how easy it is sometimes to get involved and to find out what God has for you, to activate his plan for your life. Because it's more than, seriously, this is more than me going, hey guys, we're a church and we need your help. We need more volunteers. What I'm really giving you is an opportunity to find out what God's plan for your life is. Because here's the thing. How many of you guys love Pastor Tammy? Come on, come on, give her some love. <laughs> Pastor Tammy back there. You know how Pastor Tammy started? It wasn't Bible school. You know how she started? Cutting the free donuts that we used to pass out on Sunday mornings. Just like, whew. And we were like saying, well, look how holy she is while cutting those donuts. She's glowing with the Holy Spirit. I don't know, <laughs> but she faithfully cut those, and she admitted to me, she was so worried that she was cutting them like unevenly, like, oh my gosh, that's a 20, that's a 20, 80 cut, ah! She's so worried about it, but we saw faithfulness in her. We saw servanthood in her. We saw her um, mentoring people and people following. Guess what? That's where she started. You know where I started? I said this before, but I started sweeping the floor at Ben Parker Elementary on Friday night because I wanted to prep people in a clean floor so that they can worship the Lord and hear the word of God. That's, I, I would say that's where my ministry started. It didn't start when someone asked me to, to, to do the mini church. It started when I picked up a broom. Are you hearing me? And it's that easy for all of us. And my, my encouragement to you, if you're thinking, where do I fit in the body of Christ? Where can I, what can I do? My advice for you is start something. Start doing something. It's that easy. Go, I don't know. Just be open going, yeah, hey, can I do this? Fill a need. Find a need and fill it. And we actually want to make it really, really easy for you because a lot of times, you know, you're waiting for someone to ask. 
And sometimes that never happens. So we actually did something. I don't, I don't know if you guys noticed, but in the courtyard, we did this uh, kind of kiosk thing. You know what we're calling the kiosk? Get this, this is awesome. It's the Empower Center. <laughs> and you know what happens in the center? Empowerment. <laughs> and really, our heart is to make it easy. We split the uh, Empowerment Center, Empower Center, sorry, Empower Center, in four categories. And we're hoping that these four categories kind of sparks your interest and kind of sparks your personality and sparks the natural skills and, and gifting that you have. So one of, the, one of the sides says creative. If you're creative, like you like to create things, write things, and my, my wife is one of those crafters, or like you're good on, on making videos or you're musically inclined or whatever, you just have a creative bent, go on the creative side and go, I want to hey, start me up. So write your name down. Give your information, go, yeah, I wanna, yeah, can I just, can you help me out here? One side says organize. Any neat freaks out here? All right, cool. Were you like, you know, you like to crunch numbers or you love databases? <laughs> Not me. You, you love like that kind of stuff. That's for you, get to, get, go into the organized uh, side. Um, one side is the social side. Anybody like people? Come on. Yeah. Like all the, of course, all the, yeah, that's all the, Right? If you like to smile and hug and just make people, if, the, if, if you have the gift of gab and welcoming, hospitality, go to the social side. The last side is called DIY. What does DIY stand for? Do it yourself. These are for all the people who watch HDTV every single day and go, I'm going to do it myself. I want to learn how to do this. If I'm like a carpenter or just want to build something, like re-interior decorating or uh, gardening or cooking. DIY can be cooking or baking. Anybody? Bakers out there? Stuff like that. This is the stuff that can be used for the Lord. And I want to just help you out here, make it easy. So we're going to actually, I'm going to try and early today. And you're not getting out early. I want you to go out to the Empower Center and just, just kind of put your name in the hat and go see what happens. Because here's what I know is going to happen, is that you're going to try something and you go, whoa, wait a minute, I'm in the body of Christ. And you're activating God's plan for your life. And you have no idea where he's going to take you. And I have no idea where he's going to take you. But you know what? It's God's plan. Don't you want to grasp that opportunity? Yes. And so here's the thing. I know, I hope, I hope that I'm actually preaching to the choir. Maybe some of you guys have actually volunteered for a long time, for 30 years. Or maybe you started last week. I don't know. Maybe you're doing a mini church. Maybe you usher. Maybe you help out, whatever it is. We actually wanted to say thank you to you guys. If you're sitting here going, yeah, you know what? I am, I'm part of the body of Christ, and um, I'm realizing God's plan for my life. So we actually made a video to thank you guys. So check this out. To our volunteers, we thank you. You get up early. You're the last ones out the door, day or night. You serve to be a part of the bigger story that is unfolding. You play the role that only you can play. And it's a story that we're all writing together. You realize that serving is more than the task that you do. It's more than making coffee. It's more than cleaning, or playing an instrument, or working behind the scenes, or hosting a small group, more than hanging out with teens, or playing trains with a child, more than handshakes and warm smiles, more than singing a song or having a conversation. It's way more than that. You serve to build a church community that welcomes people wherever they are at. You serve to create a safe place to explore faith. 
You serve because God first served us. You serve as a way of life. You serve to show compassion and grace and love. You serve to show that there are second chances and to show that God does not give up on people. You don't serve for power, recognition, popularity, or applause. You give when it's not easy and sacrifice when it's hard. You have found joy when you put yourself second. You believe in a story bigger than yourself and a dream that only God can deliver on. What you do matters. It matters more than you often realize. Together we can do so much. Together we are used by God. And if you're not part of this story, we invite you in. And to all of our volunteers, we thank you. We honor you. We couldn't do church without you being the church. You know, I know you guys are clapping for the video, but actually, can we give a hand for anybody that's volunteered for anything in this church? Can we give you a hand right now? Because you have done more than picking weeds or welcoming people or playing worship or moving a camera or running a mini church. In the midst of all that, if you put all the pieces together, you save lives. People have come to Jesus Christ because you played a part in it. You can, take cre- you can take credit for that. You can take credit for the lives that know Jesus because of the little part that you played or the big part that you played, whatever it is. So I want to thank you for that. If you're, if you're brand new, if you don't know where your gifting is, and seriously, you might have been here for a while, or maybe this is your first day, and can I even say something? You might not even be considered a Christian right now. I want to welcome you for coming. But I want to say something to you too. We got a place for you. There's a spot for you. Give God a chance. Give God a chance. Grasp his opportunity for you and activate his plan for your life. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you so much for the gifting that lies in this place. Lord, the gifting that that already activated that we see on a weekly, daily basis, just the things that are happening in our church, which is amazing. Thank you for them, Lord. And also, for the people that don't know what their gifting are, maybe they're uh, intimidated or not feel worthy, and I just pray that you cast out all those fears, that they would go to the Empower Center and just try it out. Start with something. Lord, I, I, of all the stories that I've seen, People just started small like that and you've transformed them and they got a glimpse of your plan for them. And it was so amazing to watch that. So I pray that for everyone here.